Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Floorcast, the NFT podcast. Forecast, Floorcast, do you see what we did there? We're a community-led podcast by the Floor NFT app community. If you don't know what Floor is, it's your very own NFT portfolio in your pocket. An app which aggregates all your NFTs into one amazing interface, showing you price movements, latest sales, and so much more. And the community is really awesome. Joining me today... I have Floor NFT mod and general Web3 media person, Corwin. How are you, mate? Good. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Why don't you introduce yourself to our 17 listeners? Awesome. Um, so I'm Corwin. I've been in NFT since NBA Top Shot about a year now. And I know a lot of people don't consider NBA Top Shots as true NFTs, but that's that was my introduction to NFTs originally. And I've been in crypto since late 2016. And the floor community for about three months now. I joined on and love the app and just the community has been amazing. So stuck around and now I'm here. Don't let anyone ever tell you that NBA Top Shots aren't real NFTs, my friend. <laughs> um, we're also joined by Curtis. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, so uh, I'm Curtis, part of the Floor community and uh, helping Chris out on the team as well. Um, also do, doing some developer work for LinksDAO, which is a pretty up-and-coming uh, DAO project that is trying to buy a golf course. Will buy a golf course. Um, I am relatively, <laughs> I'm probably the newest person into Web3 of all the people here. Um, only been in for about two and a half months, but uh, my background is as a software developer. And so I'm really excited about all the cool stuff that I can build in Web3. So I've been kind of jumped in um, f head first into a whole bunch of Web3 projects and I've been loving it. I mean, if LinkStar is one of the first things you're working on, you're, you're not doing too badly. Um, and last but not least, Chris Madden, founder of uh, the Floor NFT app. Um, why don't you tell the audience a bit about yourself and why you started Floor and why we're here together? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me and you know, thank you for putting this together. Uh, this wasn't any kind of official uh, floor NFTs team thing. Uh, a group of folks from the community, including these folks, were like, hey, let's make a podcast. And it's it's just happened. And this is kind of a one of the best examples I've seen of just the magic when you get a group of people who are really excited about something together in one place. Amazing things just happen. Um, so as Pet said, uh, Chris, founder of Floor NFTs and you know, I've been in crypto since probably around the same time as Corwin, 15, 16, but really only got into NFTs in a big way seven, eight months ago. And the user experience of NFTs absolutely blew my mind at how terrible it is. And it only gets worse as you get further and further in. The number of OpenSea tabs that you need to like properly understand what's going on with the stuff you have just increases and increases and increases. And it was kind of one of those, there has to be a better way kind of moments. Uh, and so threw together a little prototype at first just to kind of solve my own problem. Um, and then you know, the internet got pretty excited about it. And we decided, oh, wow, there's probably a thing to make here. And so we're making it. <laughs> and it's really that pocket NFT, buddy. Um, you know, we're not going to try and build every single NFT use case that exists. But what do you want to bring your NFTs with you uh, to both help you connect with them, share them with your friends, uh, to, to have kind of a pulse on what's happening in the world of NFTs, what's happening in your portfolio. And then, you know, both in the app and in the community, how do we create alpha for a group of people who are like really early and interested um, and, and interested in trading together? Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I remember seeing that tweet and uh, it absolutely like popping off. And I remember you showing me the media engagements on it and it had about 100,000, which is something I've literally never seen from a tweet. So that's when you know there's 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 a product to be made and, and clearly product market for it has been found because um, yeah, you sold out 500 early uh, support tokens and uh, about to sell out a thousand beta tokens and uh, who knows what comes next, which could be cool. Um, the way this podcast is going to run is each host, each guest, co-host, whatever you want to call us, is going to bring a topic to the table and we're going to discuss it. And first up, Chris, you've got the first topic. Tell us what you want to talk about today in the NFT land. 
All right. Can we can we randomize these in the future? Can I like go last other times? Yeah, absolutely. But I can't go first as the host. <laughs> when asked, uh, you know, doodles is something I'm I'm really following uh, right now, partially as an owner and a holder, uh, partially as one of the first really massively explosively successful projects that I actually really like the art. Um, a lot of the other stuff at the top end, and you know, it's not about the art. Often, it's about the community. But it is kind of cool to actually like the art, and I, I really, really like the art here. And so my my premise is, you know, we're at some rate inducting NFTs into the Blue Chip Club, and the Blue Chip Club is, you know, very loosely defined. But I think we can all agree on a few things that are in there. You know, the CryptoPunks are in there, um, the Bases are in there, um, you know, the Hash Masks to a certain to a lesser extent probably in there, just kind of from their age. Um, and then, you know, there's some other things that people could argue are on their way there. Uh, like a lot of people would argue the cool cats are going to be kind of, um, their doodles. I think doodles can be a true, true member of this club inside of the year. Because remember, like when we talk about hash masks, which was one of the first ever NFTs after CryptoPunks, like that's what going to be a year old in a couple of weeks. Like this whole thing is so, so, so new and so, so fast moving. <coughs> Doodles is what, three, four months old now? It minted since I was um, properly in the NFT land. And I think it could be on uh, a fast path to get there. And I think some of the stuff that they've done to get there is really super interesting. Uh, so before I, before I talk about that, what do you guys think? Doodles, blue chip, not blue chip. Is this just like a price spike or are we going to stay up in the stratosphere? I, I personally think it's a blue chip. I think the art's really unique. I see I don't know much about their roadmap, but just seeing them under base C, like on the top seven for the or on the top list for the past seven days, looks like a really good sign and the run up has been huge. I did see you degen into some pixel ones last night, Chris, I believe. Yeah. I my my late night after a couple of drinks at dinner, degen success rate is not super duper high i don't recommend always following me uh i think these ones i think they popped like 30 40 percent and then i think they immediately fell flat to close to zero uh, i thought you know sometimes you just throw a ringer on something and you know the the nudes did uh did really well obviously but they did that by going through the official process which i think is such a smart and interesting concept to have which is extract value for the existing Doodles community and the Doodles project holders by authorizing derivative projects. And it, I think that is going to be the main mechanism that they use to grow. You know, Basie has a huge uh, footprint already, but I think Doodles can use that mechanism to use 100 projects to grow versus just two or three or four. Yeah, the, the kind of official route is pretty interesting to me, Chris. I have no idea about how the Doodles approved, quote unquote, approved derivatives process is working. Because literally my whole timeline is filled with Doodles derivatives or Doodle inspired type imagery. And it's very difficult to kind of understand what is legit, what is worth actually looking at. So, so talk me through this process. And as you know, I, I got fooled last night. Actually not fooled. I knew it wasn't uh, official. I just thought it was cool and who knows. Uh, so I, I'm actually not an expert here and I'm, I'm sure, uh, some other people are, but for, by, as I understand it, they are willing to authorize certain projects to use their brand name, their traits, their kind of artistic style and be considered kind of an authorized, uh, spinoff for, um, derivative project. And the way that they do that is they allow their community to vote on it. And projects come to them with proposals, both for kind of art and project outline, but also with compensation. So, for example, the Noodles, I think a certain percentage of them were free minted to Doodles holders and a certain percentage, and I think it's a pretty big chunk, if I remember correctly, of all sales go back to the Doodles um, treasury as kind of a, a fee for using the brand and being able to accelerate their own adoption and, and their own interest, which is a really, really, really interesting way to create an ecosystem. And it was a little bit controversial when they started doing it, but it seems to be working pretty well. Because there's what, there's the noodles, and I think there's one more that's kind of officially authorized now. Does anyone know what that is? I don't know. 
I do not, not sure either. It's kind of the same approach that happened with Loot too. If you guys remember when Loot minted and a lot of people, a lot of developers went into their Discord and just started making projects and building on top of it. And everyone who held Loot just got free, were able to mint for free all these other projects. Yeah, like mint partnerships and, and you know, airdrops are one thing. I think the interesting thing here is the like approval process and that they then they then kind of deign to grant you and assumedly give you some exposure to the Doodles mm. community. This is a thing we endorse. And, you know, being yeah. endorsed by the Doodles is kind of a big deal. Whereas with Loot, I think it was more, yeah, do what you want. Like, who cares? Uh, but they weren't going to, like, endorse any individual project. Yeah, it's being able to leverage that brand, right? Exactly. It starts to answer the question, how do you leverage and monetize a brand in the NFT space? And I think Doodles is doing an exemplary job of that right now, while increasing their awareness, increasing their relevance inside of the culture of NFTs. And I think that's what's going to fast track them to blue chip status. What are your thoughts here, Curtis? I'd love to hear your thinking behind whether you see Doodles as an up-and-comer. Do you think they're basically already there? Because to me, I kind of look at it and think they're pretty much just like just below it like they're, they're they're nearly there yeah uh being super new into the space i don't know as much as i should because I, I don't have any exposure to that project but what is fascinating is the approval process like chris was mentioning because uh i'm part of a, a group of pretty degenerate uh we do a lot of that after drinks type aping into just random contracts that come through because we have a lot of developers so we're watching approved contracts and we're like oh this is a free mint this is a free mint um 95% of those go nowhere, uh, which is why I'm interested in this approval process, because if you do have a couple projects that you do like, if there are some blessed derivatives, you actually know, okay, this is not going to be a total rug. At least there's someone who said, yeah, we kind of like the look of this thing. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I like, I like that aspect of it because it makes our degenerate plays not so degenerate. <laughs> They're actually maybe more sound investments. Um, that's, that's the aspect I like of that. So Curtis, I'm interested, a little bit of a sidetrack, but you say 95% don't work out. What is the best thing you've randomly degen contract minted in the middle of the night? Uh, the one that worked out the best was Blade Runner Punks, which was, we, we usually go into free mints and then usually it's like the first thousand or 2000 are free. And we, because we're watching the contracts, we see them basically as soon as they, they hit the main net. Um, so that ended up turning into like the the most rare ones are now, I think, sitting at five, six ETH. Uh, I ended up making a pretty good, for a free mint, I made a good amount. I, I'm very happy with that. Um, most of these projects go to zero or they're complete rugs. So it's it's really hard to tell, uh, especially when there's very little, when you catch the contract that early, usually the Twitter's just getting started. There may or may not be a Discord. The website may or may not be working. So it's, it's very, very risky. Um, but we, we do read the contracts to make sure we're not going to get... Uh, I was going to say, do you not worry about like just jamming into any random contract? Uh, because do we're... Do you do a full review? Yeah, we, we review the contract. And most of them, most of these derivatives that come out really quickly, they basically use the exact same contract, just copy-paste. So um, you, you get good at recognizing like, oh yeah, this is this person's contract, just another copy of it. Look at all these shadowy super coders, man. This is what they were talking about. <laughs> um let's move on from doodles pretty quickly um this is my thing to bring to the table it is the australian open nft and this is a partnership with metakey who i think was started by um matty dcl blogger who i'm sure everyone follows and knows but essentially uh, the australian open the the tennis tournament for for those of you who don't know have released a, a collection of 6776 generative uh, artball um, as well as 22 AO Legend and 169 Artist Series unique designs um, from iconic legacy and NFT artists. Um, it's not your kind of run-of-the-mill NFT project, though. Like, what they've done is um, each of the art balls represent a 19x19 centimeter plot of tennis court surface, and that's randomly assigned uh, at Mint. And so when a winning shot from any of the like 400 plus matches that are played uh, lands on a plot, 
the metadata of the NFT is updated in real time to record that information. Um, so you basically essentially mint an NFT and then if a winning point is hit onto one of these like squares, the metadata can change and you could be like, oh, that was- That is so you know, cool. Yeah, pretty awesome, right? So this is why I brought it to the table. And I wrote about it on my um, Sporting Crypto newsletter today. But um, yeah, they're basically upgradable artball NFTs that are dependent on where winning shots in specific games land, um, which I think is awesome. And uh, not too expensive a mint, 0.067. Metaki have got whitelists for their community, which is pretty awesome. Um, The other couple of things that they're doing is they're allowing artists up until today to submit designs for the tennis balls. And if they get approved, they'll be one of the NFT tennis balls. So I, I, you know, like brands do NFTs badly all the time. And I thought it's uh, good to kind of shout them out when they do them well, because, you know, like there's been loads of brands just do, I mean, I mean, you saw like the Sacramento Kings who are like a big NBA franchise do like basically a lazy lines rip off and it was awful, <laughs> like stuff like that. And I think this is uh, pretty novel, pretty unique. And um, they're also building a uh, space in Decentraland, I think as well. Um which is pretty cool. So lots of really interesting things happening there. Really thought, well thought out. And I think this is going to be like the next iteration of NFTs when they're kind of linked to, to real life physical events, which I thought was really awesome. That That's so awesome, Pat. I think it was three or four months ago, I got into like the US Open NFTs. I'm not sure if you've seen those, but you had to mint them from their website, pay actual cash, and then they ended up being like all the same, like you got like a trophy or something. That's pretty much like all it was. And it went to zero. <laughs> so I, when I, when I saw yours, I'm like, I hope it's not like this again. <laughs> but that, imagine but if what I they're just doing said there, the exact same thing for the Australian <laughs> Open version. But, but what, they're, what they're doing there seems super innovative and I, I want to get in on it now. Damn. There we go. Some alpha. Yeah. Is this still minting now? Uh, it mints on the... Uh, whitelist minting open on the 12th of January and public minting will open 24 hours later. But be careful because there's Australian time there. So, you know, I don't want to say anything. Oh gosh, probably a whole different day. January 12th, 6 p.m. ET is the whitelist minting. So it's going to be January 13, 6 p.m. ET when it's the public mint. So in three days time at 6 p.m. ET, which is your time, not my time. Wait, is Australia a day ahead of us? uh it is yeah it can be sometimes (laughs) (laughs) time zones are hard hard. uh man i once like booked an entire week's worth of podcast recordings for a load of the exec team at 11fs uh, in new york and it was the one week in the year where new york and london are four hours apart not five hours apart so it ruined the entire week gets me every year Every single year I do something wrong that week. <laughs> Curtis, what are your thoughts on the Australian Open NFTs? Because I think they're awesome. Yeah, I think it's a really cool idea. When I saw your the show notes, I didn't realize that, that that's what this was. Because uh, I saw this in the news a bit ago, and I immediately thought of hockey. Um, because they do have infographics about where shots are taken to score goals. So that's what I immediately thought of, is you could do this exact same thing for like a Stanley Cup final. Um, it would be kind of cool if the minting was cheap enough that you could do it for basically every game and made it like a very easy way for every fan just to say okay yeah i want to do a wager a little bit on where i think some of the goals will come from uh be interesting too because there's definitely some prime spaces where goals usually happen and so you could have some sort of skewed reward based on like how unlikely it is that a goal would be scored like from the corner for example it's a it's a really cool concept that has lots of legs He's opened up my mind to a, to a multitude of things, as Curtis. That is that is really interesting. But I do think, yeah, at some point when scaling is less of an issue, we'll see things like this happen, like on a game game by game basis. And uh, if you're part of like a a game where you're like I don't know, uh, an NBA game where your team's like twenty five points down at half time, and you were there to see the buzzer beater, um, and you know you got to mint that shot or whatever it is i don't know how it would work but i think it's um it's a really interesting concept and i think something that brands are going to look more and more towards and and teams and communities whatever it may be uh event organizers whenever you um because this is kind of like nearly the next iteration of poaps right in an in a weird way um you were there but like you're proving a specific moment 
of an event rather than just proving you were there. It's like the, the next layer down, which I think is awesome. What's your over under on what the tennis ball that contains the winning hit from the uh, singles final game? In, term, in ETH terms? In ETH, yeah. Seven and a half ETH? Is that crazy? Well, I'm thinking like the Budweiser Budverse cans are like a 0.7 ETH floor. But then is this going to get as much hype? But then you've got like, you've got to remember that you've got the meta, like 50% of the supply is going to the meta key community and that they're quite like, you know, staunch NFT holders. So it's quite hard. I think I've probably got that a bit off by, by Corwin's facial expressions. How, I'm, well, I'm trying to think how many NFT traders are super interested in tennis too? That's also yeah, but how many well. how many are interested in the Pepsi mic drops, right? And they're like as... Pepsi's kind of a meme at this point. <laughs> Budweiser, everyone. But they're still beer, like so. a they're still like a you know a reasonably decent floor considering like what, what they are. What's the mint? Is there a minting or did they release like how many is going to be minted? I'm sorry if I missed that. Uh, so I think half go to MetaKey. So I think I think just over three thousand will be um, publicly minted. Okay. Yeah, I could see the floor being pretty high. Hmm. Curtis, any thoughts on the over-under game? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I'm not into tennis enough to know, or sports betting to, to even... I just I just really like when cool tech comes out of uh, Web3 and, <laughs> and NFTs. Uh, so that's what I'm focusing on. I love how like tech guys have that really easy out. It's like, yeah, I don't know, but the tech's great. <laughs> um right Corwin let's move over to you what are you bringing to the table for today's episode so let's talk about looks rare the new nft marketplace i got airdrop today um 1200 tokens and i think they're trading at like two dollars and fifty cents right before we started recording this i'll have to double check on that so it's like a new open sea kind of. It has like the cert the iconic search bar at the top, and then you have like the list of what's going on on the front page. And I, it has some unique features. It has like you could bid on an entire collection. You could also you also get rewards for trading on their platform. And their platform, it looks like it, you trade in um, a wrapped wrapped Ethereum at the moment. So I think that's all they're allowing. But it seems like it really seems like it could be a competitor. I saw a bunch of influencers put in I think 35 plus ETH into the private sale and they are of the private sale of their token which is looks and I believe they're locked in for 180 days I don't know if that's true I saw that from a tweet so that could just be false information but the tweet said 180 days so I think it'll be interesting I think OpenSea needs some good competitors because right now OpenSea can't even stay online so at the same time, too, Coinbase NFT is coming out in a few weeks, so I don't know where that's going to go to. So, But Coinbase NFT is going to be more locked down while it looks like uh, looks rare, just indexes the entire blockchain. So it's, it's interesting on the competitive thing because it's like OpenSea have a great opportunity there because they have the Lions market share. Um, but I, I, I talked about it on the Shiny Private Podcast, so shout out the, the Shiny uh, Object Social Club. Um, Amazon's user interface is awful, right? When you go and buy a product. But everyone uses it because they have the broadest range and the cheapest available thing. And it's the most practical thing. So I know Chris is going to hate me for saying this, but like UI doesn't always matter um, if you have like a big enough monopoly on a specific market, but also you're the cheapest, most practical, practical, have the widest array of options and also uh, get it, get a product to someone or service to someone quickly. Um, the issue with OpenSea is like they haven't done any of those things that I've just mentioned. <laughs> so it's very difficult for them to get to like that type of status. Um, and I think crypto is a bit different because like it's very easy to get M&A'd without getting M&A'd, right? Like someone can drop a token and say, if you've used OpenSea this much, you get this many tokens. And if the platform is really, really good then you suddenly have like you're taking someone's users like not by force but you're basically like giving them an incentive to move away from a platform that they've been using and if your offering is better there's every chance it could happen and the incentive they created is actually kind of unique how you have to actually list something to claim your tokens so they're trying to get that is a very specific and intentional thing so the only thing that OpenSea have so all of the assets all of the items all of the history 
everything lives on the blockchain. The only thing that doesn't is the liquidity in their marketplace and their listings. Uh, that's proprietary to OpenSea. So by trying to bring over OpenSea customers and their action to unlock their credits being listings, they can start to create some of the supply side that OpenSea currently has locked up in their proprietary marketplace. It's a really, really smart way to launch. Um, the problem is they're going to need a lot more supply than that. Um, and then the other side of that hack is trying to use rewards to move demand. And like, if you think about any marketplace, supply and demand, they're trying to shift some supply and some demand. Well, commission's a lot lower, right, Chris? If I remember correctly, the commission's the same, but they pay it Oh, back. is it? So like, oh, I think it's a 2.5% okay. commission, but the commissions are distributed in the form of those rewards in look tokens. Mm. Got it. Got it. So my question to you is, if you were going to sell a doodle, say, for a reasonable amount of ETH, and you found like a private buyer, would you just do it there and then get some uh, get some looks tokens as a, as, as a cashback type thing? No. <laughs> any any reason? Uh, like I think you know when you think about a big sale, and so if I'm just listing, what I want is demand. I want the most possible viewers on the demand side. That's what OpenSea brings today. To your point, if you have a private sale, what I want is simplicity, trust, a proven platform. Like, you know, if I sold a doodle, that would be certainly one of my like top five biggest NFT sales. I probably want as little uncertainty in that process as possible, even if it, you know, costs a couple percent in uh, look tokens. <laughs> what, what would help you build trust with Luxrare? Would it just be time in market? time and other people doing even bigger things and it not going wrong like like for anyone it's interesting that you call out that part be when OpenSea can't keep themselves online for longer than 24 hours <laughs> so um and back to the amazon example like you could excuse some of the ui if they could stay up like the thing about amazon is it rarely ever goes down and they've got a crazy tech stack behind them so yeah it, it looks bad it's got all the supply and demand on it but it also never goes down. Yeah, and uh, I, I remember speaking to a lot of people at Amazon back in, like when I was more in on the fintech side and kind of cringy at the time hearing them say like customer obsessed all the time. Um, but like they are kind of doing that to some extent and that's kind of how they've grown to this point. And I suppose what OpenSea haven't done as well is be as obsessed with their customers. Like they've gained, I think what was the stats? They've gained like, a couple hundred thousand users over the last like month or is it or is it more or is it a couple weeks i don't know but like that's a big in, influx for what's clearly a small struggling team who f from the outside in don't really know what they're doing too much um and are having some scaling issues having a lot of tech issues but um i mean uh, last last one from me corwin because this is your subject like how good a chance do you think LuxRare have of like taking a bit of that market? Because as you mentioned, Coinbase NFT are coming. They're a bit more closed, but you'd think that if they want to scale that part of their business, they'll start closed, but then open up. Um, there is only a short window, I guess, to, to grab some of that, that land. If I was a gambling man, which I am, I would say that they probably have a... I want to... It's so hard to put... It's so early right now. It's it's really difficult, but I I, I kind of like to compare it to like the Dig and Reddit days. Like everyone left Dig and migrated to Reddit because Dig pissed off their community, and they did they made changes that people didn't like. Now, not to say OpenSea is going to make changes that they don't like, but it's so early in the game right now for like these marketplaces and everything. Like anything could happen. It could it could easily become the number one marketplace. It could easily fail. I like the simplicity of it. But to Chris's point and every, what everyone else is saying too, there's no, there's like no liquidity in it right now. So it's going to take a big shift of influencers pushing it, and a lot of which I which I'm seeing right now. But I'm still not seeing much volume on the mar on their marketplace. So I would say it's it's literally a coin toss. They have a really bad chicken and egg problem because the average person who wants their sell an NFT, it makes no sense to list it there because they're going to get way 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 more viewers. Uh, and they're on OpenSea. And if you're looking to buy an NFT, you have to go to OpenSea because there's probably stuff listed there that isn't listed on LooksRare. And so I actually think the best bet right now for anyone who wants to create a seriously competitive Ethereum marketplace for NFTs 
is for aggregation layers that sit in front of marketplace liquidity to become more popular. Things like floor NFTs, where people can discover assets and actually then link out to liquidity providers and marketplaces um, because you're not going to go to two marketplaces every day as like your starting point. But And I don't see a near-term path to OpenSea not being the first place you have to go look if you're looking to buy something. And so it's a really, really hard bootstrapping problem. Yeah. I, I kind of think about though, like we have a lot of crypto exchanges and partially uh, some of that is because of availability and the ones that have grown the fastest, right? Like Binance grew the fastest because they had every single token listed as soon as it got like made, even shit coins. FTX, why did they grow so quickly? Okay, like they had loads of funding and Sam's super smart. But again, it was uh, the supply side. They gave traders what they wanted in terms of like every token coming up. So I think you're totally right. Like for any NFT marketplace to compete with an OpenSea, their supply has to outdo OpenSeas. And that's really difficult to do. And, you know, I think this is a really interesting example because it highlights the differences between NFTs and regular tokens. All you have to do is carry Ethereum or carry Solana in order to be able to satisfy any demand for Solana. The problem on NFTs is literally every single token is non-fungible. They're different. You need to literally have every single token, every single NFT in order to be able to meet the demand needs of an inbound customer, which is a exponentially, like many, many orders of magnitude harder problem. And that's why I, th I think it's going to be really, really tough to exist in a multi uh, NFT marketplace scenario in a way that it's, to your point, very easable, easy with a fungible token. Yeah. Um, I, th I think with, I think a major driver that like if this were to happen, is if OpenSea went down for a day or multiple days, then I think a lot of people would start shifting to another marketplace. I think that would be the top reason. Yeah, I think... Uh, Not to say that that would happen. Uh, I, and I guess to, to Chris's point, like it's going to be difficult to live in a multi-NFT multi marketplace. Like Then the question becomes, is OpenSea going to become the marketplace or stay the marketplace? And I guess that is the, the overriding question. But... Um, Look, we're 36 minutes in and I'm keen to get Curtis, Curtis's thoughts on um, on this finally and then for him to get his NFT story or thing of the week on the table as well. Yeah, just to finish up the looks rare, um, one thing that is encouraging, even if they can't flip OpenSea, is that they've got some interesting features like being able to offer um, a set price for anything in a collection um, is just one of the features that might prompt... OpenSea or other marketplaces to copy. So the competition might breed some interesting new features, whereas OpenSea hasn't really done much in the past couple months in terms of new new features. It's just trying to, to stay up. Um, so um, that's that's where, where I'm at with LooksRare. Um, be interesting to see what, what happens, especially when Coinbase comes out and we've had three marketplaces vying for everyone's attention. Awesome. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that also disrupts other products that already exist. Like you don't need Genie in a world where you can create a collection level bid because you don't need to go bid on, you know, a ton of the different individual floor items. That's really interesting. That's actually a really powerful uh, potential game changing feature. Would you guys think that Coinbase NFT would like front any of the gas fees just to get off the ground and corner some of the market? Or you think that would... <sighs> I, I think where Coinbase can do really well, and this is another crappy analogy, but the way Spotify, like my background is podcasting and crypto and sports. So bear with me for a sec. Like the way Spotify ate up a lot of the market share for podcasts was they did a lot of exclusive podcasts with big people. So they bought Joe Rogan, you know, uh, Oprah Winfrey, blah, blah, blah. Like all these massive names who started podcasts, they're exclusive to Spotify. And I wonder if Coinbase could see start seeing these up and coming projects they're about to mint and just say well you know why don't you just do your first ever mint or first ever sale exclusively on our platform and i think stuff like that is going to get you more users but then again like are people going to just take that and then go over to OpenSea is the question so you'd probably have to have a large array of those to encourage enough people to stick around on coinbase and have like you know really good and a really good affiliate scheme a really good like uh 
reward structure like Binance did back in the day. And at that point, again, crude analogies aside, you, you suddenly start to get some semblance of a user base. But again, it's really difficult, right? Have they stated for a fact that everything in Coinbase NFT is going to be on Ethereum? Because if you're thinking about bringing NFTs to the masses, Ethereum's probably actually not really the ideal solution in many ways, except it carries a lot of um, valuable supply. I'm I'm not sure. I have not looked into it, but I know that they said that there's going to be no KYC and you're going to be able to connect MetaMask. So I'm assuming ETH at the moment, but I don't have confirmation. Yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. Sorry, Pat, we got you off topic. <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. All good. Curtis, over to you. What have you got this week for us? Yeah, so this is a, a project that was a pre-mint partnership with the Floor community. Uh, it's the Cold-Blooded Creeps. It's a new PTE game that should be starting this week. And we just went through about a, a week of minting and we were able to redeem our passes for our Creeps this past weekend. And so there's been tons of trading. Um, the Floor is still very healthy and uh, everyone's just kind of jockeying for position uh there's the team is has been really great they've they've done a couple gestures to the community like trying to get more people into the whitelist um, when they maybe had missed out because things did mint out really quickly um the the interesting thing is that there's a whole lot of mystery around the gameplay they haven't released all the details and so people are just assuming they know what's going to happen from the basics on the website so people are stocking up in certain types of creeps They've already started strategizing, um, but if the team's history is any indication, there's going to be some some wrenches they throw in there, and there's going to be it's going to throw some people off. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited about it because it's the first P2E game that I'm able to get in kind of at the beginning. Everything else it's already existed. Um, the floors are are crazy. It's it's very it's a huge mountain to climb in terms of getting into the meta. So yeah, I'm really excited, and it was also a really uh, really cool partnership with the floor community that they're able to reserve a huge chunk of their mint just for the community. It wasn't just a whitelist raffle. It was a really close partnership. So I want to ask you one follow-up question. Why don't you give like a, a, you know, one minute kind of breakdown of what Creeps is. And then I'm going to ask Chris, like, how did that partnership come about? And what was some of the research he did in kind of verifying, yeah, like, this is, this is really cool. Like I want to, um, for lack of a better phrase, get in bed with these folks. Yeah, so to, to go into it, so there's there's a pretty rich story behind it. Uh, basically, it's it's the uh, the lizards are coming to invade the earth, and they've already landed a bunch of shapeshifters on there. So the, the standard people you think are lizard people are, uh, so Musk, Zuckerberg, Trump, all apparently lizard people. Um, so those will be a special character in this game, and we are acting as kind of the invasion force coming in to kind of take over the world. Uh, the P2E part comes into it where you get to stake your creeps and then every day you're earning uh, Lumi tokens and you can use those tokens to mint other things like upgrades, possibly some mystery boxes. Um, you might be able to mint those shapeshifters themselves and that's where some of this mystery comes in where we're not quite sure what unlocks you're going to have to do to get access to shapeshifters which take a bribe every time you unstake your creeps and try and claim your, uh, your Lumi. So um, that's at a high level what it is. The art is pretty fantastic. The website is great. And they're really trying to build Creeps into a brand. So just beyond this, this they're calling this game number one. They have multiple games planned, multiple seasons already planned. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited for where this could possibly go. And now, Chris, there was this obviously this amazing partnership between Floor. Why don't you talk us through that? and how you kind of decided that this was a good idea for the community. Yeah, picking partnerships is hard because you're kind of implicitly recommending to a group of people who give you trust that you know maybe this is worth something spending your money on. Obviously, we encourage people to do their own research, but uh, you know, an endorsement is meaningful uh, to folks in the community. So, you know, we've been looking for a little while to find a number we try and do, you know, between 1 and 3 a month. Um, although you know, won't fill it if we don't find projects that are of the right quality. And I uh, got introduced to the Creeps team through Josh Ong, who's kind of a prolific advisor in the space, um, who I've gotten to know through a couple of groups. And he said he's working with some folks in the UK. Uh, would I be interested in chatting with them? And so I, I got on the phone with Joe and Dom, uh, the two founders of Creeps, 
And what I think we shared is the same time horizon on our projects. So we're building an app that we think can become a really meaningful part of the kind of end user consumer experience for NFTs and help onboard the next 100 million people. And that plays out over a three, five, 10 year timeframe, not a three week timeframe. And as we were talking to them, it became clear that they also see you know, their project on a three year or five year timeframe, not a three months run with the money kind of timeframe. And so when we realized that, um, started talking about not just like, oh, hey, how do we get some kind of exclusive access to the mint, but rather like, how do we build a longer term kind of more foundational partnership? It's the only one we've done to date. Um, I hope to do more, but you know, it's, it's really dependent on finding the right people, the right project, the right opportunity. And so, you know, they were very uh, generous in putting together, you know, we never take in these deals. So, you know, we didn't get paid uh, to bring this to the community. But what we ask is that people put the value that they'd be willing to pay into the offer to the community. So in this case, everyone who mints through floor will get 70,000 of these Lumi tokens for every single uh, floor creep that they mint. And in a play to earn game, having starting balance just felt like a, an incredible advantage to be able to give to the community. So we were really excited by the offer. Um, you know, the community was really excited by the project. And then, you know, we've both been in each other's discords and just kind of becoming gradually part of each other's communities. And tr truly, I can't imagine um, a better way the partnership could have gone. And I think now, as of yesterday, it's made around $6 million in returns for the floor community that bought into that initial presale, which is just kind of an incredible amount of money for a group of, what, a thousand people. That is pretty ridiculous when you put it like that. And now I thoroughly regret only minting two, um, considering I probably probably could have gone with a few, few more. Uh, I think, Corwin, you're nodding, thinking I should have done the same. I regret not minting any. <laughs> I did not. Um, just because I'm not super into like uh, NFT games anymore or anything like that, I wish I would have done more research on it because if I would have minted 50, which I believe that was the allocation for Floors members per member, you're able to yeah. mint 50 up until 20% of the supply is gone. And that would have been 25 ETH. So I'm a little bit jealous. I'm happy for everyone that got into it. Uh, it looks like it looks like a great team. I'm hearing so many great things about it. And a lot of their community members flooded into floor. I think we were sitting under under a thousand members when that membership happened. And now every day, like every new person that comes in, I'm from creeps, I'm from creeps. So it <laughs> seems like both communities got a lot of value from it. I mean, the incentive alignments in this new space are just amazing, right, Chris? Like the ability to partner up with someone and we're going to try and do some interesting things with this podcast as well but to to, to invert a normal uh, model which is a lot more transactional in its manner to something that is kind of uplifting for two communities two projects two groups of founding teams all in the same direction is is pretty powerful isn't it it's amazing and you know we've been given the tools and we're building the tools uh we're still not I think as a community, fully sure how to use them. I think there are models of partnership that no one's done yet that we'll figure out over the coming months that are explosively powerful for communities. But this one's definitely been one that I don't think anyone could say anything other than all parties are winning in a massive way and in a way that you just couldn't do before Web3. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, I think, as you mentioned, this is only the beginning. We're going to see some really awesome and cool things happen. Um, Curtis, I want to ask you a little bit about the game. So you mentioned that there's not been a lot of information about it. Um, what are what are people speculating about? What is some of the community talking about? What could happen uh, upon invasion or, or, or so on and so forth? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that people are speculating on right now is how you get those shapeshifters. Because if you... So the idea is that only the Genesis creeps that have already minted are the only thing mintable with ETH everything else is mintable with the Lumi token. So you really have to play to actually mint these other upgrades and things that are gonna be in the game. Everyone wants shapeshifters because they collect the bribes every day. So you get a sizable amount of Lumi every single day because people are gonna be claiming their Lumi from, from the game. We know it's gonna be mintable with Lumi. We don't know what hoops we're gonna jump have to jump through 
to get access to that um, because there's also this concept of a membership where there uh, it's a big uh, Illuminati pyramid where there's I think five or six levels of membership so it's very possible that you have to get to the top level of that before you could mint shapeshifters um, I definitely don't think it's going to be as straightforward as just being a, a huge chunk of Lumi there's definitely going to be some sort of trick or something otherwise people are just going to rush shapeshifters so yeah they'll, they'll definitely they'll definitely uh have some sort of tricks in there but uh, shapeshifters i think is the the biggest thing people are trying to figure out how to get to i'm curious curses how long have you spent reading about <laughs> creeps gameplay mechanics now i'm just very into this sort of stuff so it, it comes kind of naturally as as a gamer as well um not not that long i'm I'm desperately waiting for the, the gameplay announcements to come out because I think the team had mentioned they're going to release some stuff before the game starts. And I am I am waiting for that contract to come out because <laughs> I do love uh, reading a good contract. So um, <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be it'll be interesting once those details come out. But yeah, I, I'm I'm just really excited about this one because it's it's like I said, it's the first P2E I actually get in on the ground floor, and it's the element of mystery is kind of cool. We get to discover as a community what all the things they've hidden uh, in this game. So cool. And they've worked so hard on trying to make all this stuff real. Uh, something that I keep... I I really believe in this team. The challenge at, at hand, though, is really hard. No one, as far as I know, has actually successfully executed a play tour in game without some element of exploit or just kind of like uncompetitive dynamic that essentially made the liquidity pool a liquid because like the game theory turned out to be wrong. And I think they could be the first, in which case this is just like an insane opportunity. However, history tells us, you know, there's a decent chance that it may not be quite as, uh, quite as easygoing as, you know, we're hoping. Yeah, I mean, playtime games are really hard. Um, tokenomics are really hard. There are very few people that know how to do them well or have experience in doing them well because it's such like a novel concept, right? Um, probably the most experienced people with them are, <clears throat> you know, former games designers who have created in-game economies uh, without, you know, the crypto part. And then you come over to the crypto part and it's still very difficult. So I think we're still really early with P2E games, but um, kind of bullish on play and earn, play to earn, whatever it evolves to in the future. Um, I think it's going to be, yeah. I mean, the thing about it as well, it's very difficult to build good games and it takes a long time. And so I think the next wave and Creeks being part of that next wave of games that are being built, AAA or not, I think are going to be pretty cool and definitely worth keeping an eye on. So we're going to move on to our final couple of sections here. Um, we're going to do a weekly giveaway in every podcast episode. So instead of taking on podcast sponsorship and shilling something every week, we thought we'd go pretty web three about this and align all incentives. So we thought, what is a way that we can grow the podcast, add exposure to the Floor NFT app, give away something to our audience and community, and also give exposure to a project, NFT project or a, or a community? And so that's what we're doing, Chris. The first up is a very interesting project. It is the Doctor Who Worlds Apart digital trading game. So I'm not a Doctor Who fan. I will say that. But I know that a lot of people who are Doctor Who fans are massive Doctor Who fans. And that is no different when it comes to NFTs. And bear in mind, this is the BBC, right? This is the leading broadcaster in the UK have licensed this game. So it's pretty awesome that the BBC have like an NFT um, digital trading guard game licensed. And we at the Floorcast are giving away a rare pack of these NFTs, which are playable in their trading card game that comes out later this year. And we're also giving away one founder's token, which I think the last trade on it was 2000 and a bit dollars. And they're going to be minted at $1,000 after this episode goes out. We're going to be giving those both away over on our Twitter at the Floorcast on Twitter. So that's Floor C A S T. So follow us on that, get notifications on, and you will find out when that is going on. Um, and it'll be pretty cool. A, a good chance of winning a pretty cool NFT and an officially licensed one. Chris, are you a Doctor Who fan? I'm actually not. Uh, my only exposure to Doctor Who was my dad was a big fan. 
And so on Christmas Day every year, when the new Doctor Who Christmas special came out, uh, we'd always have to watch the Doctor Who Christmas special. Uh, But you're right, there is no such thing as a mild Doctor Who fan. You're either "Eh, not really a Doctor Who fan, or you are absolutely insanely a Doctor Who fan. And I could completely imagine them getting a lot of traction from this game for exactly that reason. Yeah, I mean, if you go on their website, which is Doctor Who dash worlds apart dot com it's a beautifully designed site they have their own marketplace i think there's like uh close to three quarters of a million dollars done in in secondary sales which for this very niche specific trading guard thing is pretty cool um and we thought what better way to kick off um the weekly giveaway than with a bbc licensed nft card game which is pretty awesome um chris when you were saying those dollar amounts i was just trying to convert them to eth in my head <laughs> That's what NFTs we do. don't trade in dollars. Huh. Well, they, ETH they, is pretty low right now, Chris. The ETH yeah, is pretty low, Chris. It's a lot of ETH these days. <laughs> dollars when we're low, ETH when we're high. Um, no, the I love that. <laughs> um, but the the interesting thing is, like, just on that note, they've made it pretty accessible for people that don't even have a wallet to kind of just buy stuff, which I think is pretty cool. And I think we'll see in the future as well. Um, a lot of people making it a lot easier to just buy NFTs without needing um their own wallet without you needing eth um using that as a vehicle um when we get to that infrastructural maturation phase of of crypto which i think is pretty cool um we'll wrap up there because i've talked about doctor who for probably the longest time in my entire life because i'm obviously not a fan and if chris wins it he'll be flooded with brilliant memories of watching doctor who with his dad on christmas day um curtis thanks so much for being on the show the first ever the genesis floorcast episode um where can people find out more about you uh, mostly on Twitter, uh, Curtis J Cummings on Twitter. That's also what I go by through all my discords. And uh, yeah, uh, look out for what we're doing at Linkstout and Floor. Amazing, thank you, sir. Corwin, where can people find out more about you? You can find me on Twitter at zero x Corwin. Also, Forecast Twitter is following me and all of us. If you need to find us easier, and also in the Floor's Discord. Amazing, Chris. Oh, we should make a list of all of the guests. That'd be cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. everyone who's ever a guest on the show is in a Twitter list. Uh, at, on Twitter, uh, at Chris Madden or at Floor NFTs. Awesome. Uh, you can follow me at P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A at Pepperisha on Twitter, uh, just Pet on the Floor Discord. And you can follow us at The Floorcast. So catch us on Twitter, subscribe to the show, tell your friends about it those who want to learn more about nfts or just want some you know accompanying dgens to listen to um do subscribe share it with your friends rate us five stars on spotify and apple or wherever you listen to podcasts and catch us next week for more i guess nft content if that's what you can call it